Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. We have, um, we have a, a, a testimony now from youth. If, uh, Abby, if you want to come up, if we, Abby's shared this story before. She's a bit nervous. So if we just give Abby a massive round of applause. She is absolutely awesome, Abby. She um, has just graduated youth. Yes, you do get a certificate and it's, um, it's good to go on your CV. Um, and she's now helping out at youth and she's just amazing with our young people and we're so privileged to have her on our team as well. It's amazing that see what God's doing through her. Um, and in lockdown, what we did is we had a testimony. Yeah, please sit down. Um, from Abby and Abby's testimony will work so well tonight because it's about darkness being overcome by light. So Abby, why don't you just tell us a bit about your story, um, how God's light has overcome darkness in your life. Um, I'm going to try and stay on topic. Yeah, no worries. This is all just so I stay on topic. Um, So I think for me, I've been through quite a few dark phases, dark times. Um, School was very, very hard for me. Um, I battled a lot of bullying, um, a lot of mental health issues. And obviously, I think through education, there's a lot of pressure to perform. So a lot to to balance. Um, I think as well, throughout that time, for me personally, sin became apparent. So it was quite a few different things that were kind of happening for me. And I think at this point, that's how I kind of sum up um, darkness in my life. it's been it's been very hard, yeah. but at, I think for me actually darkness is where I found God um, a lot in it. I think not in all the phases that I've been in. So sin uh, has been one where I felt very distant from Him, um, which is, which is to be expected. Um, but I think as well, just kind of thinking about it, it's very important to remember God in your dark times and in in times of light, like when yeah. you're happy, and at other times when you're maybe not so happy. Um, I do say this hypocritically. Um, I am still learning. I was actually gifted a book by youth, uh, The Purpose Driven Life, which has just been an, a light in my darkness. Right. It's been incredible for me. Um, it's taught me so much and, and still is about my faith and, and directions as to where I need to go and what I need to improve on, what I need to look back on, what I need to move on from. Um, and that's just been really amazing for me. And I think maybe in terms of examples um, about where I've seen light in my life, um, it's more about like how he's spoken to me um, in my dark phases, where he's been a friend where I was lonely, a kind of forgiver when I was needing forgiveness, a father when I was just feeling completely undeserving and completely unloved, um, and just many, many other things. Um, and I, there's a example I do love to use um there was quite a severe flood warning quite recently um it was a couple months ago I say recently um and uh quite a big section of Didsbury was threatened and it was obviously quite scary um and uh the first night I was quite scared I went to bed um we were preparing our home um just kind of to be attacked by this flood um so I went I went home went to bed Everything was fine. I woke up next morning, kind of progressed a bit further. Um, and our home was more under threat. And we went to bed that night um, with the potential that we were going to be woken up in the morning and our home was going to be maybe under threat. Um, and that night I kind of was thinking, no, I'm not letting this happen. Yeah. Um, so I, I prayed a lot and I was 
um, thinking, I was like, I'm going to pray with faith, not with fear, because yeah. praying with faith moves mountains. It, yeah. You see so much happen instead of praying with fear. Yeah. And um, as I was praying, I got this image of Jesus walking down our street, just with his arms stretched out, just praying over our homes. And I went to bed that night with that kind of phrase in my mind, praying with faith and not fear, yeah. walking by faith and not fear. Um, and we woke up and the flood didn't touch anyone at yeah. all. And it was oh, amazing. Oh man, that's so it good. Was... That's worth a round of applause. That's awesome. <laughs> so Abby, um, the, the one question I would ask, um, I think darkness presents itself to a lot of young people nowadays in the form of mental health. And I've spoken... To the, young, uh, to the young people, to the youth, on many occasions of like my battles and struggles and challenges with mental health, um, what would be your like one piece of advice of like getting through that and believing in God's goodness, believing God's light as like that darkness is so apparent in their lives? Um, for me personally and to every youth and everyone in this room, um, surrounding yourself with love, um, surrounding yourself with good people and just connecting to God because he is the definition of love. He is light in darkness. And um, there's also an image that I kind of got before this and I do get quite frequently and it's of kind of Jesus holding a lantern through a dark path. And I feel like that's how he wants to be perceived to you. He wants to be your guider. He wants to be your light in the darkness and he wants to lead you through whatever you are going through. Oh, I absolutely love that, Abby. Um, will you do us an amazing thing? Will you pray for us, uh, pray for the youth who, who might be going through darkness um, to know that light um, and then we'll, we'll wrap up. Thank you very much. Um, Father God, I really just want to lift up every young person and everybody in this room who is experiencing darkness. Father God, I just really pray that you give them direction towards your light. I pray you lead them out of the darkness and when they do see it, that they just see you and they see your light and that they can overcome it and believe that you are love and you are for them and not against them. Jesus, I just want to thank you for what you deliver us from and what you are continuing just to do for us and just to love us through what we are going through. Um, Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Abby. That was awesome. That was brilliant, wasn't it? Thank you, Abby. Uh, put that down there. Great. So, I was a teenager once. <laughs> I know. And I remember being on the bus with my mate Pete. He was my best mate. And, um, and he said to me, uh, when do you think the world's going to end? He was like, do you think it's going to end soon? And I was like, yeah, yeah I think it is. And, uh, and he said, what do you think it's going to be? Said, do you think it's going to be like the nuclear bomb? And I was like, yeah, I think it's going to be the Russians. And he said, yeah, I think it's going to be the Russians. Because <laughs> that was basically it then. When I, I mean, anybody else who was around about that time, look at some of the older people here and, and find hands up if that was ever like a thing from some of the older people in the room. Yes, people at the back. Some of the older, there's hands going up. Basically, it was like on the telly. There was warnings all the time. They, they put out documentaries. It was like, if a nuclear bomb goes off, what you need to do is hide under the kitchen table, which I didn't think was that brilliant of, an, of a, you know, a thing that would necessarily save me by being under the kitchen table when it went off. But what it did, actually, it did make me a bit scared about the future. But, I mean, the good news is... I'm still here. And I never, I never even had to get under the kitchen table. 
any point. And, you know, the thing is, we kind of get to live through all kinds of times in our lives, and the longer we get to live, the more we get to see that there's, there's things that we have to deal with. And as we meet tonight, I'm praying for the government leaders around the world, and it'd be good for us to bear in mind, you know, that leaders right now are making decisions that are going to affect all of us um, with regard to climate change. And if you've been reading the papers or anywhere near a screen at all recently, you'll know that sometimes that gets kind of tied in with all kinds of fearful, dire kind of predictions too about how long we've got left and how the world might end and how long, you know, what we need to do to, to make sure that doesn't happen. And so I am praying though for those leaders, but a little bit like what Abby was saying there, I don't want to pray with fear, I do want to pray with faith. And, um, and, and, and actually, there's another book that I like to turn to to try and get answers to questions about such matters. And I don't know if you've read much of it, but the Bible starts out by telling us that God is good and that he made everything and it didn't just happen and we didn't just happen, but there was a purpose to it all. And he says he gave it to us, to people, to have the word is dominion over it. That's not domination, where you dominate something. It's dominion means you get to rule, you get to decide, you, you get to steward it and look after it for him and for each other. And uh, so it starts out good, and then he hands it over to us, and it, people haven't always looked after it too well. But right at the end, when you get to the end of the story too, when you look at the end of the Bible, you see not only did it start out good, but it ends up brilliant. It ends up good too. And, um, and this reassures me that God has still got a plan and he's still got power and he's still got purposes for this planet and for this people. And in the end, as I say, it won't just be okay. The Apostle Paul says uh, an amazing thing. He said that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has it even entered into the heart of anybody to imagine what God has prepared for those who love him. It's like God's got amazing plans and purposes for us so while yes we face problems in this broken world I'm not complacent but I am confident today that on the basis of the promises and the predictions and the prophecies and the perfections of God's world it it started good it, it's going to be even better in the future and I'm going to trust God for that and I look in, see in between the beginning and the end I can read all kinds of stories about um, what God is doing and that he's working out his plans and his purposes and one day the Bible says that Jesus will return to this planet and we're going to see tonight he doesn't necessarily want us to know all the details about how it's going to work out and when it's going to work out but most important what he does want us to do is to be ready to be ready for that not to be ready then but to be ready now. It's not just about being ready then, or I want to be ready then when Jesus comes. The question is, am I ready now? Because whatever happens with carbon emissions, fossil fuels, how we steward the earth through wise and fair and just economic policies and energy policies, it remains true, according to the Bible, that what we now see won't always last forever. In fact, none of it will. The Bible says this is temporary, but God has got eternal plans. And so one day, Jesus is talking to his disciples. This is in Matthew chapter 24, the Gospel of Matthew chapter 24. And they're all looking, they're in the temple in Jerusalem. And it's an amazing building. It's like the most amazing building they've ever seen in their lives. I don't know what, you know, if you think about the most amazing building you've ever been, for them it was the temple. It was an incredible structure. And they're walking around, they're all going, wow, look at this. 
this is fantastic, this is amazing. And then, you know, it's been built and it's been there for a long, long time and they're kind of thinking this is going to last forever. And then Jesus turns to them and says, do you know what? There's not going to be one stone of this left on top of another. It's all going to come down one day. And, it, and it's, it's, they're like, what? And then you go and you can, I've actually been there. You can go from where they were at the temple. You go down a valley and up the other side. There's a thing called the Mount of Olives and you can look there and you can see the whole of Jerusalem from there. And then they say to him, Jesus, will you tell us when is it going to happen and what's going to be the signs that it's going to happen and it's like the end of the age and uh, and you know because naturally like you and me they wondered about the future sometimes they would have worried about the future and so they asked these questions what are the signs how are we going to know when 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 that's what they want to know uh, but rather than give them all the details that they wanted with dates attached he gave them some ideas and some pointers and some signs but really he said the most important thing is that you're ready now because that's what he wants us to do. So as we read on, and you read on through Matthew chapter 4, 24, I've got the Bible open here. If you're watching at home, maybe you can do that. You can get the Bible open and follow along. You can see that he does give some clues and some ideas. He says, there's going to be false prophets, false saviours, false messiahs, all kinds of false religious ideas that are going to come. People are going to try and impersonate and distract us from him. And then he says, there's going to be wars and there's going to be famines and there's going to be earthquakes. But he says, but don't panic about all of that. He says, it's just, all those things are going to happen, but it's not like, it is literally, it's not the end of the world when it happens. And, um, and then he says, people who follow him, it won't always be easy. He says, he said, that actually, to go and follow Jesus at times, we're going to be hurt, we're going to be hated, we're going to be, might be lied about, we might be betrayed, we might be persecuted. Not everybody's always going to like it. And at the end of the day, if we follow somebody who went to a cross, you can imagine that that's probably going to be the case as well. But he says, at the same time that the bad stuff gets worse, the gospel goes crazy. More and more people all around the world are going to get the opportunity to hear about Jesus like never before. He said every nation is going to have a chance to respond to the gospel. And you know what, as I think about that, I'm not sure that's ever been the case that that could have happened until now. Now we can think about the technology and the internet and all the ways in which we, you know, and translation, all those ways that it's possible in our lifetime for everybody to get to know about Jesus. But they're still asking, when, 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 when? And then he says, look, about the day or the hour, nobody knows when it's going to arrive. Not even the angels know. Only the Father knows. So if anybody comes along to you ever and says, oh, well, I know when Jesus is going to return and this is when it will be and this is when it will be, don't believe them because he himself told us nobody knows except the Father. But he does say, be ready. Be ready and alert and prepared, he says, because I will come at an unexpected hour. And then he tells some stories. He says, it's going to be a bit like a guy. Imagine if you were a boss and you put somebody in charge of your factory, your business and your house and everything. He said, I'm going to go away and then I'm going to come back. But then when you went away, the guy that you put in charge of it takes all the money, spends it all on like beer and parties and stuff like this. And then he starts, you know, he's drunk and he's, and he's shouting at everybody and he's horrible to everybody and he's abusing them all. He says, because he forgets that he's not the boss. He's not the master. He's not in charge. And then he says, the, the boss comes back. How's he going to feel? <gasps> oh no. He said, don't be like that. And he says, and don't be like 
somebody who, uh, who has a house broken into. I don't know if you've ever had your house broken into, but you know, it's a horrible thing. Apparently, just, this, just last night, some people on Hesketh Avenue, just on this street here, I'm on like a WhatsApp group for the neighbours, and they were saying somebody tried to break into one of the houses just down here. It's not nice when that happens, but he says, be ready. Don't be like somebody who, when they get the house burgled, says, oh, well, you know, I never, I never thought that I'd have, I never expected it. It's like, you should be watching. But... These kind of pictures, some of them sound a bit negative and a bit scary, but you, you see, for me, the difference is, this isn't about him trying to catch us out, it's about us be ready because he loves us and because he wants us to be ready when he comes. Like, he wants, he wants, well, it's like some of you know my son Joel, who's over there. And, um, and Joel comes to our house quite a lot. And when he comes to our house, the other day he came in, and we'd not, he'd not been able to see us for a bit, we were in isolation because of COVID, but he said, he said, I've come, and I thought, oh, it's so lovely that he's come to see us. It's so nice that he's come to see us, we've been missing him. And he said, I've come for fish fingers. And, and literally, I mean, Joel will eat like a tray full of fish fingers, he'll eat every fish finger in the house. And, and, like, and then I'll say, oh, can I have a couple? And he'll be like, no. You don't even share them. Anyway. But we all, his mum makes sure there's always fish fingers in. For who? For the fish finger thief. For him. The other thing that she has in, that's for Joel. I mean, literally, how could anybody eat that much halloumi? He loves his halloumi. He'll eat, would he eat all of it? A block at a time of the halloumi. We know we don't get it in for us, but we're ready for him when he comes. And it's a bit like that with Jesus. He's saying, be ready. Because it's like, because I know you love me and you want to be ready. And when I come, don't you want to show me that you love me because you're ready for me to to return and and to come. And I could come when you don't expect it, you know. It it could happen at any time. And then he tells another story, which, which... it's a funny kind of story in some ways for us, except that it's a good story because time and time again, when Jesus wanted to say what he was going to be like when he comes back, he said it's going to be like a party. In fact, it's going to be like the best party at the time anybody could ever imagine. It's going to be like a wedding. It's going to be like a wedding banquet. And in those days, you know, a wedding was the ultimate thing that the whole village got to celebrate when somebody was going to get married and then he tells this this amazing story um and and about about a wedding banquet and there's these girls in it that are, that are kind of going to appear he calls them this is called the parable of the ten virgins it's basically ten bridesmaids let me read the story to you it says next one please at that time The kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins, ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish. Say five were foolish. And five of them were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time coming. And they all, say all, all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, actually literally in the middle of the night, the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Next one. Then all, say all, all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied. 
there might not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go and sell oil. Go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour, which is how he started the whole thing off. It's a strange story in some ways for us because, you know, we think we know about weddings and we have kind of stuff that goes on at weddings, but they, had, they did weddings a little bit differently there. And in lots of places around the world, they do it more like this than we do it because in lots of countries around the world, in fact, in over half of the places in the world, you don't get to choose who you get married to The father gets to choose who you get married to. Your dad gets to choose who you get married to. Which personally, as a dad... (laughs) Anyway, I'm not saying... (laughs) It's like... It's like there's, there's, there's... There's this thing that's going on where there's a bridegroom and they did things differently there because because there's like... um, There's... There's, a, there's, a, there's a, um, a separation that takes place because half of the bridesmaids, people who've got a job, they're not just invited, but they've actually got a job, are not ready for the job when it happens. And that's a massive shame. You see, when we think about, in our culture, we think about good and bad and right and wrong, but in Eastern cultures, they think more about honour and shame. And this would have been a really shameful thing that not, you've been invited to the wedding, to be not just that, but to be part of the wedding and to have a job at the wedding, and then you weren't there to do it. When I was, years ago, when I was in a different church, I mean, I could tell you so many kind of bad things that go wrong at, at wedding stories, having done so many. But I'm at this one when... Um, this was before mobile phones. There was a time before mobile phones. I know it sounds like a mythological thing, but it really happened. And, and, and like, I'm waiting for the, the bride to come. And, and then she, you know, you can't, she gets fashionably late. She's not there. And then it's unfashionably late because she's still not there. And then everybody's getting a little bit nervous and thinking, when's the bride going to arrive? Now, what we didn't know because there was no mobile phones was that at her house, she's waiting with her dad. Everybody else had left and they're waiting for the nice vintage white Rolls Royce to appear. And, you know, everybody else is gone. Bridesmaids have gone. Mum's gone. Everybody's gone. And then they're still waiting for the vintage car to appear. And she's got the dress on. She's got her hair done lovely and all the makeup on and all this kind of stuff. It's like, where's the guy with the car? And they ring once or twice and there's no answer. They think it must be on his way. And then it's like, He's not here. And it's like, we need to be at the church. We need to go. We need to be gone. So they ring the guy and they ring him and he picks up the phone and they said, hello, it's us. We're just wondering like, you know, what's happening in the car? Do you know what he said? Oh no, is that today? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, it's today. And he lives like an hour away. So there's no way he's going to get there. So the dad had to go down, and most of the neighbours were invited. Most of them were, most of them were out the, at the waiting at the, in the church. He had to go and bang on every door to get somebody to be able to give her and him a lift to the wedding. So they eventually rock up in this rubbishy old Ford Mondeo or something, driven by their neighbour in his slippers. <laughs> it's not her dream 
to be honest with you. And you can imagine that when the vintage Rolls-Royce man did turn up at the end, he wasn't invited to the rest of the party for the day. Because he had a job to do and he wasn't ready when it, when it happened. It's a bit like that in this story. You see, these people had all been invited and they all had a job and they all had been waiting a long time. Because again, it was different. The way that they did, they did their weddings, it's in three parts. You basically, you met somebody or you, it was arranged that you met somebody and like you're going to be married to them at some point in the future. And the parents agreed it and like... You know, contracts were effectively made. It was like signed, sealed, it was going to happen. So you are engaged at that point. You could be really young. And then you're waiting until the, the groom, he goes and he actually makes a house for you to live in. And it could take like a year for that to happen. Maybe you go to his own father's house and build rooms on the house. So later on when Jesus starts talking at the Last Supper and saying to his friends, there's many rooms at my father's house. I'm going to prepare a place and get it ready for you. They're kind of hearing bride language at this point and thinking that's what he's talking about. So anyway, one day when the father said the time is right because the place has been made ready for the bride and groom to be together, the father then gives permission and then the groom goes to the bride's house and he, and he observes while they have like a religious ceremony in the bride's house. That's stage two. Stage three is what we're talking about here. The wedding banquet, this massive party. Everybody gets to go to this massive party. It could last like a week this party. Imagine a party that lasts a whole week. And, and no, no, no wonder, like at one point, the wedding of Cana, it all runs out of wine. You can understand, they've been drinking all week. Anyway, these bridesmaids have got a job. And the job is, they're going to be the torchlight procession when the bridegroom arrives with the bride to bring her to his new house, they're going to wait and cheer and they've got these lamps and they're going to light them and they're going to be part of the procession and they're like really, you know, they said like we're friends of the, of the bride, we're friends of the groom, we're going to play our part, we've got our lamps and so when they started out they would be really excited and they'd have their lamps and when I say lamps it's not like those little lamps like that little thing I had before, we're about these big kind of things this is the sort of thing that they would all be holding. Imagine 10 of them holding these kind of things. In fact, I could do with a volunteer just to come and help. Yes, Oliver, please come up. And Oliver's just going to hold one of these on this side because some people, you know, listen, I say some of them had the job of just, thank you very much, holding on to that. And, uh, and the fact is, we need another volunteer for another one. Yeah, come on up. What's your name, sorry? Sophia, Sophia up you come. You can hold this one. Just there for me. Brilliant. Perfect. So, they both, well, all of them, everybody, they all fell asleep. So, hypnotism. All fall asleep. That's what happened. They all fall asleep. So, they've all got tired of waiting. They've been hanging around so long. And it was a time when their lights were all ready. But now, the lights have gone off. The fire's gone out. And, um, and you know, sometimes it can feel, I think sometimes the church can feel a little bit like that. Even church people can feel like that. Like the light's gone out. Like the fire's gone out. And, um, and then, you know, we talked this morning, if you're, and in the morning services, how Jesus said, we are the light of the world. But this can happen. And they, they were waiting that long in the end. They were so tired. They were, they were fast asleep. And then it says, in the middle of the night, the cry came out, the bridegroom's coming. Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. <laughs> Very good. Extra points for overacting there. 
And so all the bridesmaids then wake up and they go to relight their lamps, um, which had gone out while they were sleeping. Now, as I say, the ten had lots of things in common. Um, if you'd looked at them, the best man would have said that they all had lovely dresses in his speech and all this kind of stuff and lots of positive things about all of them. They'd all been invited. They'd all said yes. They were all in the same place. They're all waiting for the groom to arrive. They all had lamps with them. All of them fell asleep. They were all surprised when they hear the bridegroom's come at the midnight cry. So many similarities. One difference. And Jesus says this is the difference that made the difference as to whether they were wise or whether they were foolish. And what was it? Five of them had brought oil with them. Five of them hadn't brought oil with them and they were not ready. It's, let me give you a bit more of an up-to-date illustration. Imagine going to a wedding and they say to you, to everybody, we're not going to have like a formal photographer who's going to do it. What we want instead, we want you to all bring your phones and at the, like at the moment, like when, when the bride and groom do the dance... That's when everybody, we want you all to get your phones out, you know, everybody film that and take photographs and all that kind of thing. So you all get your phone out. I'll give you permission to get your phone out now. Everybody get your phone out? We all get our phones out. We're all ready with our phones. Get your lights on. Put your torch on. So it's like this. You say, this is what it's going to be like. Everybody gets to put their, to, to do that. They're all going to be part of it. Except you've been waiting all day. And at that moment, the vital moment when they're relying on you to take the photograph, what's happened? Your battery's run out. And what's worse, you've got no charger. So what do you do? You go to your friend and you say, my phone's run out, my phone's run out, can I borrow your charger? And they have a look at it and they go, ooh, it's a Samsung or whatever. It's like... I haven't got one of them, you know, and the charger doesn't work. It's, not, it's like my charger doesn't fit. You need your own. So it's like with this. Um, the, 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 you know, Jesus said, I'm going to come back. He actually asked this question. When I return, will I find faith on the earth? That's what he's looking for. And the story tells me this. You can't borrow faith. You can't think, oh, well, I live in a house where people love Jesus so therefore it applies to me it's like no it's, it's down to you have you got that relationship it doesn't matter really if you're in the same family if you're in the same house the question is are you a believer and that other people can show you the way but in the end the decision to follow Jesus or not is down to you and, and next week if you come along to church we're going to talk about Jesus another thing that he said was I am the door it's like whoever comes through me can be saved but this story says there comes a point at which the door was shut. Like the door is wide open now. Anybody can come. But there comes a point at which the door is shut and everybody, from the youngest to the oldest person here, gets the opportunity and anybody watching to decide, am I going to open the door? Am I going to go through that door? I'm going to connect with Jesus. See, this is horrifying for me. Think about it. Half the people, half the people were ready and half of them weren't. They all had the lamps it's like having the information. But not everybody had what? The oil. They didn't all have the oil. And if you look in Scripture, the Bible is talked about a lot as being a lamp to our feet, a light to guide us. We need the Word of God. But it also talks about oil. And what's the oil? You know what the oil is in the Bible. Tell me. It's the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. 
and to be full of the Holy Spirit. Not to say, oh, I once, I once was filled with the Holy Spirit. It's like sometimes you get, some people can say, oh, back in 2015, I was in this meeting, we all prayed, and I really felt like God was there, and I felt like the Holy Spirit was there or whatever. It doesn't matter. The Bible says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. The question isn't, was I filled? The question is, am I full? I don't want to run out. The other week when we had that, all that petrol stuff going on, I picked up Zoe from work, I was driving back, and I'd heard on the radio, they were saying about there might be these petrol shortages. And I thought, should I fill up? Nah. Sure, it'd be all right. I put a tenner in, just in case. You know what that is? A mistake. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, I wasn't actually ready. So the question is, am I ready? And am I going to shine? So, in my bag of tricks over here, We've got, uh, oh, where's my lighter gone? Oh, it's here. See, the, 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 I'm, I ho- this would really spoil it if it, if it no, no, that's it. The thing is, this, this used to light, but it doesn't light because it hasn't got any oil. Sorry, Oliver. <laughs> so what we need, but this one, you see, so fear, whose name means wisdom, Interestingly, Sophia, who is wise, uh, and I didn't even, I can't even open this now. Why is this not working? Maybe the wise one can open it. Uh, That's true. I need like a little, something I can, oh, hang on, I've got a pen. Will that work? Yes, this will do. So, if you brought the oil with you and you can get the top off, there we go. Now, stand back. Another risk assessment, Catherine. Excuse me. I'm just going to put this down here. Do you you trust me? I'm not sure I do. Okay. Jesus said, I am the light of the world, and whoever follows me will never walk in darkness because they'll have the light of life. So we've got the lamps, have we got the oil? That's the question. And it's no matter of how am I going to be ready in the future, the question is, am I ready now? Because Jesus wants us to be blazing with his love and his light in the world right now. And the only way that happens is if we're filled with his Holy Spirit, with the Spirit of God. And we don't get that by trying our hardest or, or by being a better person or I must make something happen. It's just by receiving and asking and saying, God, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit and put your life and your love inside of me? I'm going to finish with this because it's something I was reminded of this week. 1947, a great northern preacher by the name of Smith Wigglesworth, funny name, but an amazing mighty man of God who did fantastic miracles all over the world. He had like a prophecy, a picture of what was going to happen in Great Britain in the future. Let me read from what he said. This is 1947, he said this. There'll be two distinct moves of the Holy Spirit across the church in Great Britain. The first move will affect every church that is open to receive it will be characterised by a restoration of the baptism and gifts of the Holy Spirit. <coughs> the second move of the Holy Spirit will re- result in people leaving historic churches and planting new churches. At the time of these moves, the people involved will say, this is it, this is the great revival. But the Lord says, no, this is not the great revival. Both are steps towards it. 
when the new church phase is on the wane, something will happen in the churches that has never been seen before. A coming together of those with an emphasis on the word and the spirit. When the word and the spirit come together, there will be the biggest move of the Holy Spirit that the nation, in fact, the world has ever seen, marking the beginning of a revival that will eclipse anything ever witnessed on these shores, even greater than the Welsh revival and the Wesleyan revivals. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit will flow over from the UK, across Europe, and from there will become begin a move of God to the ends of the earth. I want to be ready for that. I want to be fully part of that. And the way it happens is when we say to the Lord, please light me up, fill me up with your spirit and let me burn for you. So can we thank Sophia and Oliver? Great stuff. That's it, well done. And, hoping he doesn't set the alarms off like it did in my house before. Great, let's put those down. Oh, and now I'm going to invite you to pray with me. So um, why don't you just... Um, I was thinking, you know, what you could do if you want... And this includes people at the back, make a space or whatever. You know, just be open, just open up your hands like this in a kind of an I'm open sort of posture to God. And then close your eyes, because this is, like I say, it's an individual thing. This is like you asking God to light you up and to put his light inside of you and his love and his fire inside of you. And, and like we, we talked about that passage this morning when Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. And then he said, I'm going to put my light inside of you. And if you want that to happen, if you want to be somebody who's just lit for Jesus, who's on fire for Jesus, who's is full of his Holy Spirit. And this isn't, again, not you trying hard. It's just saying, yeah, I'd like that. I'd like that light in me so that the darkness will never put it out. Then Think of your finger like that lamp, saying, I want to be ready, and just put, your, put a finger up in the air, like as a sign to say, God, Jesus, light me. Just put a finger up like that now, and saying, I want to be ready. And it isn't about ready then, I want to be ready now. Thank you. Lots of hands and lights going up, and I pray for people who are doing that now. Come on, don't matter about your, your mate and your friends and what they think, this is you and God. Give you a minute to think about it. And then just put, your, put a, a hand up and say, yeah, that's it. That's, I want to be full of your life and your love and your power, full of your Holy Spirit. And we can live like this for the whole of our lives because this, this is like something that he never wants to go out. And sometimes we can feel like, we've, like the light's kind of gone out a little bit just ask him now to light light you up again and fill you again with his Holy Spirit that's it put, the, put that light up may the Lord Jesus now come and connect with every person whose heart is open here Lord we want to be wise we want to be ready we don't want to be fearful we want to be full of faith we don't want to pray now with fear we want to pray with, full of faith like we heard before and I just pray for everybody who's open to this that right now you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why don't you just ask him? Say, I turn away from everything that I know to be wrong. I turn away from all darkness, anything that's wrong. Thank you for loving me and forgiving me and giving me a fresh start. Fill me now with your Holy Spirit. Just, you don't have to say it out loud. He can hear you, but ask him in your heart. He said, Jesus said, anybody who asks, receives. Everybody who seeks, finds. He said, you know how to give good gifts to other people. Imagine how good the gift of the Holy Spirit is that the, Holy Spirit, that the Father wants to give to you. So just ask him.
I'm just praying. Holy Spirit, now come. And when this happens sometimes, we can feel it. It doesn't always have to feel something, but sometimes we can feel like like something landing on us or touching us or, or filling us. And sometimes, you know, in the past, I've put my hand up like this and it's felt like I've touched electricity or something. And if that ever happens, it's not a, a scary thing. It's like just if you connect him with the power that made the universe, you should expect perhaps you could feel that and know it's real. But whether you feel it or not, The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God come to fill you, empower you, to be everything God calls you to be and to do everything God calls you to, uh, to, to be everything God calls you to be and to do everything God calls you to do. So I just ask him now, fill me, not just a little bit. Top of my head, to the whole of my body, to my toenails. Let me be full of you. Speak to me. Lead me, guide me. Give me power to change the world in your name. And when the Holy Spirit comes, he brings fruit. He grows in you love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the most important part of this. He makes us more like Jesus. And at the same time, he releases gifts to be able to pray for the sick and see them healed, to be able to hear God more clearly and speak about him to other people. To be able to do miracles, to see the darkness push back and the light come everywhere around you, wherever you are, whatever people are going through, that you'll be a light bringer and a hope bringer and a Jesus bringer. The Holy Spirit brings courage, boldness, miracles. The Holy Spirit does what you could never do but he does it in you and through you. So again, open up your hands if you want to and just say, fill me, all of me, take over, lead me. Change me, do what you need to do in me so that I'm blazing with your light in this world. And thank you that the, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness will never, ever beat it or overcome it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And when you go home and people ask you what it was like tonight, what happened, do you know what you say? I got filled with the Holy Spirit. Because you have done. And then tonight when you go to bed, just say again, fill me again with your Holy Spirit. When you wake up in the morning, say, fill me again with the Holy Spirit because it's about being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not just being full, staying full. Being filled, being filled with the Holy Spirit is the only, it's the best way to live forever. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org media.